0: Grace and mercy and peace belong to you, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, amen. Imagine you are touring the present day state of Israel. You make arrangements to go where a lot of tourists are not able to go. You travel by bus about 40 miles north of Jerusalem to the Palestinian city of Nablus. You get off the bus. As you stand and face west, you see two mountains mentioned in the Bible, Mount Gerizim on your left and Mount Ebal, on your right in front of you is a is a special building you go into that building and you go down a flight of steps and at the bottom of the steps you walk into a small room and in the middle of that small room you see something very curious you see it an old-fashioned-looking well, complete with a, a bucket on a rope that you lower and, and raise with a, with a hand crank. The well is deep, 151 feet. In fact, if you take a cup of water and go over the well and then and pour it out, you can actually count up to four before you hear the splash of the water at the bottom of the well. That's deep. What makes this well special, however, is not that it's in the basement of a building or that it's so deep. What makes this well special is that for centuries and centuries, the locals have consistently identified this well as Jacob's well. And if that's the case, then you are standing at the very spot where a woman who did not even know what she needed, where a woman encountered Jesus. Here's her story. She's coming to Jacob's well to get her supply of water for her home. Right away, something seems to be a little out of place. Typically, you see, getting water at the well is a a neighborly social activity. People like to gather there at the same time because it's a chance for them to visit with each other and joke with each other, get caught up on the latest news. This woman, however chooses to come at a time when no one else is around. This woman, it turns out, has a sordid history. And as a result, she's a social outcast. No doubt she, she, never, she never planned to have her life turned out like this. But thanks to a series of bad decisions, her life now is what it is. She's there to get her water for the day without others looking down on her. And very likely she's reached the point in her life where where she just wants to get through the day. And so she arrives at the well, man is sitting next to it. A Jewish man. Well, that's a surprise. After all, Jacob's well is, is smack dab in the middle of a territory known as Samaria. And the people of Samaria, the Samaritans and Jewish people, have not gotten along for a long time. The Jewish man looks tired. But then another surprise, this, this tired Jewish man asks her for a drink of water. Well, this actually is actually more than a surprise. It's more like a shock. 99 times out of 100, a Jewish man would never even consider lowering himself to the level of speaking to a Samaritan woman. But this one is... How is it, she asks him? How is it that you, a a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Well, the man speaks some more. The conversation continues. And before she knows it, the man is talking to her about something that he wants to give her, something he describes as living water. She's curious as to what he means. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than Jacob? From hundreds of years earlier in the, in the Old Testament, are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? She becomes even more curious when he says, everyone who drinks of this water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Something about his words pulls her in. And so she says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Abruptly, however, the man draws her into an uncomfortable subject. Go call your husband and, and then come back here. I have no husband, she says. Now we have to understand, she's not simply saying that she's single. What she's saying is actually the beginning of her confession about her broken life. But before she can get anything more out, this this tired Jewish man graciously, kindly, miraculously completes the confession for her. You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. What this man has just said to her is stunning. In a few words, he has just brought out into the open her broken, sinful, painful, troubled life. Apparently, his words have hit home because in response, her desire seems to be to want to go someplace where she can somehow make things right with God. When she asks this mysterious man who, who clearly to her now is a prophet, when she asks this mysterious man where she should go, he quickly redirects her focus not on the where, but on the who. I know that Messiah is coming, she says. I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And it is then, in that moment, with just the two of them by Jacob's well, that this ostracized, burdened, broken woman hears Jesus of Nazareth say the words that will change her life. I who speak to you, am he. She thought she just needed water that day. She likely thought she just needed to get through the day. What she needed was forgiveness. And her repentant heart found it in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, over the centuries, People have done all manner of things to deal with what they often don't even comprehend. People have done all manner of things to deal with a a ghostly sense of guilt in their lives. That terrible sense that they are not the people they're supposed to be. They've tried to cover it up. They've tried to mask it, they've tried to deaden it, they've tried busyness, they've tried distractions, they've tried recreation, they've tried pleasure, they've tried rationalization, they've tried food, they've tried alcohol, anything to deaden it, anything to mask it, anything to cover it up, so much so that they might not even recognize anymore that the problem is guilt. And yet, they feel miserable. Has this been someone you know? Has this been you? Is this you right now? Each of us has a turn at thinking we need one thing, when the reality is that the Lord knows we need something else entirely. One thing we need. Forgiveness. And that's why Jesus came. Just as he sat down at Jacob's well with this woman so also he is here to sit down with you and me through his word and sacrament. He is here to tell us the, the perfect life he lived on this earth. He lived on our behalf. He is here to tell us that the suffering and death he endured at the cross, he endured the washes clean Once and for all, He is here to tell us that because He lives, forgiveness is ours. Our guilt is gone. Jesus knows what we truly need. We need forgiveness. In him we have it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep, keep our hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.